Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Forever. <laughs> Dog. I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a breakdown I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man Hey, Threebies, my little diamond dogs. How are you? I'm so glad that you were able to hang on and wait for me to put out this episode a little bit later than usual. I apologize for that, but it was for good reason. I promise you. Um... I got a job. It's a writing job, and that's all that I can tell you about it. Um, I do think you'll be excited for me because I am a person, and having a job is a good thing. This podcast is a job, but, um, you know, it's not a job, 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 job. You understand. <laughs> that's my catchphrase. Um, I'm also realizing I still have a weird sinus infection. I, holy smokes, I don't know if... I don't know if it's living in Los Angeles or what, but I used to have crazy sinuses when I was a kid and I had to get um, nasal spray that was not over the counter yet because I would get sinus infections so bad that I would wake up with my eyelids crusted shut. Shout out to anybody else that had that problem, um, which was terrifying as a kid. And I mean like four. So I had like no context for what was happening, just waking up and my eyelids wouldn't open. Very terrifying. Um, so the other day, I found out I got this job, and then I literally woke up the next day with a sore throat, and I was like, this cannot be happening. I was just sick, and now I am sick again. <laughs> um, so I don't know if it's California or if we just have been all using Purell for too long, um, which is definitely a possibility. I remember... Back in, I think, 1995, somewhere around there, my first boss came into, I was working at a skateboard shop. That was my first job. I know that sounds super fancy, but it was a skateboard shop in Akron, Ohio. Um, and it was called Summer Squall, which is a hilarious name for anything, Totally, to be totally honest. Um, nobody really knew what it was, um, but I worked at this skate shop and I was super into skateboarding, obviously. And he came in, and there was Purell on the desk because I don't know if you all remember, but like 1995, well, this was 97 probably. Sorry, I got my dates wrong. Um, That's like when Purell hit the stands and everybody had like Bed Bath & Beyond Purell and stuff. <laughs> anyway, he came in, 
he grabbed Purell and he was like, you know, this stuff is going to kill us all. It's making us super virus. And then he just walked away, which I thought was hilarious because he was using it and telling me how terrible it was at the same time. Ah, uh, that's human beings. But I think he was right. He was a correct human being. And I do think that we have created a bunch of super bacteria because, look, I know this is a baseball podcast. Whatever. I talk about a lot of things on here. And up top, I'm going to talk about a lot of things that aren't baseball related because I've been doing a lot of things that aren't baseball related all of a sudden. Um, here's Here's the thing I would tell everybody. You should use regular soap that isn't antibacterial soap. And then you wash your hands and you dry those hands. And then you put Purell on your hands. That's what Purell is for. But we've been using it as soap. And so it's killing the bacteria instead of just washing it off. Because that's what soap does. It washes it off. And then the bacteria goes away. And then you put a thin layer of Purell on your hands to repel the bacteria. You see? This is what we're supposed to do, but there's no way we're going to get a billion people to do that all at once. We can't even get a billion people to, I don't know, stop driving so much. So that's that's my Purell rant up top, just to say. Um, I'm also super cranky because my fantasy baseball league that bench coach Brett is in with me, um, which I did end up beating Brett. I'm sorry, Brett. I think I beat you by like 30 points. So it wasn't a major... It wasn't a major upset. Um, but our fantasy that we use is CBS, and I do not like the app at all because it allows you to roster more people than you legally can have. So once the week has started, you can bulk up your roster. Now, this is terrible for me because I am a hoarder. I will just admit it. I used to be like, I'm a hoarder, but not really. No, I'm a hoarder. I'm totally a hoarder. Because not everybody that's a hoarder has stacks and stacks of newspaper everywhere. Like We have this idea that every hoarder is just like uh, terrible, you know, like just, it just it, and it's it's bad. Like we treat hoarders like this carnival thing. And that's why I don't watch that show. It's too triggering. But anyway, um, I'm not using that word lightly is basically what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it as a joke, like straight up. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> like I can't bring myself to get rid of things. I think I already talked about this last week that I lost something very, very near and dear to me. I have not found it. So I kind of feel like it's lost, which is just the ultimate. Uh, just it's the worst for a hoarder because you're like, I keep all of these things so I don't lose anything. And then you lose something and you're like, why do I keep anything? And then you get rid of everything and you're like, why did I get rid of everything? <laughs> I feel like baseball fans will find this relatable. If you don't, I apologize. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm a hoarder, and I hoard things physically. I hoard them digitally. Say hello to my two one-terabyte uh, ex external hard drives that I have in my office that have nothing, like, just movies on them. Just movies I will never watch. Because legally, you can copy a movie if your intent is to watch it later. That is part of the copyright bylaws for like the library. You're allowed to do that. As long as you don't distribute it, that's that's what's actually illegal. I don't know if you know this. Anyway. So, in fantasy baseball, I will hoard all these players and then make a last-minute decision at who's who I'm going to drop for the week. 
And this week, they don't give you a notification when the games are starting. And I went into therapy, of all things, having not dropped the requisite two players and then the lineup locked. And I'm just not getting any points this week. And I actually think I would have won. And I was playing like the number one team. <laughs> I was playing the number one team and like all my pitching has done really great so far. Um, so that's fun in a way. And then for that reason, I've been like, who gives a shit about baseball? <laughs> um, which, you know, is a silly way to think. But, um, you know, I'm I'm a Leo. I'm a fire sign. I've got all kinds of uh, ego in my family. So I tend to turn on a dime, but you know, whatever. So I've lost this week, no matter what, there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm trying to take a little distance. Plus I started this job. So I'm not, you know, watching the ins and outs of baseball day to day as much as I was previously. This job's going to be all summer. So it's going to be interesting how I follow baseball um, for a baseball podcast when I can't watch baseball all week. So we'll see. Um, I am going to get into some topics and stuff, but I wanted to just talk up top about a few things. Um, so I'll get into the weekly topics, uh, after this. I also, um, am really bummed about the loss of Scott Hutchison, the lead singer and guitarist and, um, face frontman of the band Frightened Rabbit. Um, he was missing for, I believe, a day, uh, in Scotland, his family and band members, put the word out on Twitter and I kind of immediately had the feeling that it wasn't going to turn out great. Uh, that's not anything that I would have said publicly while that was happening, but given his history and what was going on for him and when someone who has uh, a drinking problem and depression issues goes missing, it's always just such a tenuous situation and I was very sad about it and it triggered a lot of my own personal um memories and issues and things I'm going on things I'm dealing with now even now you know now that I've gotten sober because I, I don't actually know if I've talked about this on this podcast but I'm going to talk about it now um I am a sober person I don't drink anymore um I've been alcohol sober for five years now which is crazy, which is nuts, which is bonkers. Sorry, I'm trying not to say crazy. It comes out sometimes. I, I do apologize. Um, so May 1st is my five-year sobriety anniversary. And May 1st is also my seven-year nicotine sobriety anniversary. Um, so I like to shout those out because I would love to help as many people as possible um, if you have an issue with drinking or with smoking. Um, a lot of people don't really consider smoking to be like a big problem, which is kind of wild because um, it's very bad for you and it doesn't do anything for you, um, which was a lesson that I had to learn while I was quitting. Um, and the, the method I used for quitting was the audiobook of Alan Carr's The Easy Way Method. Um, that helped me specifically the audiobook i think because it helped me to have my own or like a different voice in my brain talking to me because i think that's um in addiction or at least my experience with addiction with addiction to nicotine and then um alcohol's a little different it is an addiction but it feels different because it's so looming but i'll get into that um so quitting 
cigarettes was very difficult for me. And it took me 16 years to quit. I smoked for 16 years. So this wasn't, you know, a social thing. This was, I was a smoker for 16 years. Um, and so it helped me to have somebody else talking to me. Because when I was talking to myself, then I could just talk myself in and out of whatever I needed to talk myself in and out of. But having somebody else's voice repeating these phrases that I had gotten from this audiobook was exactly what I needed at the time I needed it. I had also realized that I wanted to change my life in a lot of ways. Um, I wanted to get a new job. I wanted to do something different. I had gotten a job. It was steady. I had paid some debts. I felt like I was you know, independent and on my own and taking care of myself. And then I realized like, oh, this isn't really what I want to do forever because this isn't fulfilling. And so I'd gotten, you know, like hooked up to this plateau or whatever. And I really plateaued and I decided that I wanted to start doing stand-up and I'd already been doing improv, but a lot of people in improv smoked and it was keeping me smoking because I would go to improv, you know, I wouldn't smoke and then I would go to improv and I would want to go hang out with the people who were smoking outside. So then I would smoke a cigarette and then that would lead to me like getting a pack, then I'd have it at home, then I'd have one or two at night, then it would just like snowball and I would just keep doing it. And what I realized was if I was going to start doing stand-up, I had to quit smoking or I was never going to quit smoking. And I think that was 100% true. And so what I've been trying to tell people lately is, you know, they try to tell you, like, replace it with a good habit. And I don't think that doesn't set people up to succeed because smoking is not a habit. It's an addiction. You're addicted to nicotine. There's a reason why nicotine's in there, and it's to get you addicted to smoking cigarettes. If nicotine wasn't in there, you could smoke a cigarette and then not have one for six months, and you wouldn't feel anything. But nicotine is in there so that you smoke cigarettes over and over again and buy them and give them money. That's literally it. It doesn't do anything for you. It actually doesn't help you at all. It doesn't even give you a buzz or anything. It gives you one the first time and then never again. So it's like a cruel chemical. Um, so what I actually think to take that sort of, you know, replace it with a good habit is actually like, what do you want in your life to be different? And how does smoking fit into that? And I would also apply this to like chewing and dipping. I don't know if anybody out there listening does that. I had a lot of friends that did that. Honestly, I don't know how I didn't do it. With, with the huge chip on my shoulder that I have about like proving my masculinity or whatever with everybody, I cannot believe I didn't start doing that. But I have many friends that do it. Um, and it's, it's just as gross as smoking. Um, but again, I, I feel like it's a similar thing because it is nicotine and tobacco and everything. So if you're looking to quit, those that's my advice. And then also, if you are someone who is struggling with uh, drinking um, or confused about it or feeling conflicted about it, there's so much shame around drinking and like so much shame around somebody admitting maybe they have a problem with drinking because it's everywhere. It's at the ballpark. It's at every major sporting event. It's connected to watching a sporting event at home. It's connected to everything. I mean, there's Evan Williams as the official whiskey of the MLB and like Bud Light is sponsoring everything. It's like you cannot get away with it. And, and you feel, you know, it's tied to patriotism and, and manliness and womanliness and being cool. And like, it's just everywhere. And it's very hard to turn that off and think like, 
who will I be if I don't do this anymore? You know, who will I be if I'm not drinking? Will anybody care about me anymore? And the answer is yes. It's hard to see, but it really is. And the thing is, like, you have to care about yourself first. And it's it's very hard to do. And I'm not saying this flippantly. I'm saying it very seriously, uh, having realized that I had a drinking problem and tried to figure out how to fix it, tried to, you know, cut back many years over and over again. Uh, but that just didn't work. I had to cut it out of my life, and I did go to AA, um, and I do go from time to time. I am not someone who's been able to do the steps because I haven't been able to do it because it's a it's a commitment, and I have not been able to balance that commitment with the commitment to my career, and that's just the honest truth. I also know that the religious aspect of AA is difficult for a lot of people, and it's difficult for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Uh, sometimes that reason is they don't want to participate in in religious stuff. That I totally understand. And then for my queer fam out there, it's difficult to go into those spaces because, uh, you know, we're not really welcome in those spaces. And even if we are, it's still kind of triggering to be like, I don't feel safe in a church. <laughs> even if you're telling me I'm safe in a church, like, most churches don't want me, so it's hard to believe that this one does. So I hear you. Anyway, all of this is to say that um, losing this person that I don't know personally, I walked around and listened to his music basically all day and was just reliving my last 10 years, and that's why I felt compelled to share with all of you um, that that's you know, what's going on for me. I'm just sort of taking that in and... Um, thinking about it. Um, and so one of his songs that uh, has meant a lot to me uh, on their first album that came out um, in 2008, um, that whole album really, like I honestly can remember the first time I listened to it. It's one of those, you know, that like you remember exactly where you were when you heard it the first time. Um, but the song that I'm thinking of that really is one that sort of stuck with me is Head Rolls Off, off of uh, Midnight Organ Fight. Um, and that is a song about depression, for sure. It's also a song about being okay with being depressed or understanding that you're doing the best that you can. And something that he says in that song is... Um, while I'm alive, I'll make tiny changes to earth. And that's something that I just keep thinking about, you know, that like basically we're all trying to do that, really. Some of us for good and some of us for bad. Um, I think he was trying to do something for good. And I hope that he knows that at least this one person was able to change. And some of it is in part to the art that he made. So if there's anything that you can do, it's uh, make some tiny changes while you're alive to earth so get on base make tiny changes um i'll be back right after this i promise with some more baseball um and it won't be all sad stuff but i'll be right back after this with my weekly update i love my tomboy x underwear i've talked a lot about how i like the briefs and the six inch uh little leggies 
but I haven't told you how much I like their bras. I am a sports bra kind of person. That's what I like to wear all the time. Mostly, I play a lot of sports, so you got to be ready. But the thing I like about Tomboy's uh, soft bras is that they're like an in-between, which is very nice. So I don't have the compression of a sports bra, but I have the same kind of support and all-around encompassing bra that I need to feel safe and comfortable throughout my day. And I love that Tomboy X makes kick-ass gender-neutral underwear for all people and all bodies, all sizes, and now all skin tones, right? Tomboy X makes neutral underwear for people whose opinions are anything but. Put on a first layer that supports who you are so you can take on the world. They did it again. They just released Tomboy X Neutrals. Nude underwear done the Tomboy X way. And if you're not wearing them, you're missing out. Tomboy X Neutrals are nude shades that won't show through clothes. They come in a diverse spectrum of shades and cuts, including bralettes, bikinis, boy shorts, and boxer briefs in all sizes, extra small through 4X. Tomboy X Neutrals are made of luxurious micro-modal fabric that's eco-friendly and light as air. Silky soft waistbands won't dig in and body-hugging fits won't ride up. I love this fabric. I play baseball in it. It feels so good. It's almost like you're not even wearing anything. It's fantastic. And when you buy Tomboy X Neutrals, you're aligned with a brand that shares your values and gets products that fit your identity. Discover your inner tomboy at tomboyx.com slash baseball neutral. And when you order your neutrals, enter baseball neutral to get an extra 15% off. Again, get an extra 15% off when you enter baseball neutral at tomboyx.com slash baseball neutral. Awesome. We're back. And so this is the stuff that happened this week that I um, noticed and also didn't notice. <laughs> um, I did watch one game over the, a couple games over the weekend. I watched um, a little bit of Steven Strasburg pitch against the Diamondbacks. And then I, I caught some of the Cubs and some of the Sox. It's all running together because I've started this job and my brain is all jambled from that. That's not a word, but who cares? Um, I watched uh, Sean Doolittle come in and pitch uh, in relief to close the uh, Diamondbacks series. They did sweep, I believe. They got they got their swag back, the Nationals did. Um, it's so easy to watch them while Daniel Murphy's not playing. I gotta say, I like this team when Daniel Murphy's not playing. But I do just want to shout out Sean Doolittle because the announcers were talking about him and what he's done for the Washington Nationals bullpen and how he's really sort of coalesced this bullpen that they really could not get together in the past couple of years. Um, and now they have a way more reliable pen, which is what they've needed. And I think that his impact for the full season and not just in the postseason, I think will be very positive. Uh, the, their division is a lot more competitive than it was up in previous seasons. So maybe that's actually a good thing for the Nationals in the, in the postseason. Um, I don't think they're going to have the same competition in the West that they did previously. We'll get to that a little bit later. But Sean Doolittle is just like an awesome dude. And Aaron Dolan, his wife, uh, who is his partner, uh, is also equally as awesome. Um, the announcers were also mentioning that they hosted Syrian refugees in their home, that they do a lot of uh, wounded veteran outreach because uh, Sean comes from a military family. And they also 
their plan when they were flying back to D.C. that night after the game was the next day they were going to go hang out at the D.C. LGBT Youth Center. They were just going to go hang with everybody. So this, these are all things that athletics fans out there are very well aware of that they've been doing in the the community in Oakland for years. And so I'm really stoked that they're going to keep doing that in D.C. And speaking of Daniel Murphy, they're going to be just doing these things. And he's just going to have to work alongside people who do respect LGBT people, who do respect refugees, who do respect uh, wounded veterans and not just the military in a big sense of like nothing specific, you know? Um, So anyway, I just shout out to one of the good dudes. He's also posted a lot about what it's been to be a white athlete while all during a lot of protest and the fact that like he believes his job is to listen. And I think that's a very valuable thing to do. There hasn't been a lot of protest in baseball. So for him to speak out that way, I think is really great. And, and just more athletes need to be doing that. So shout out to Sean Doolittle thinking about getting your Jersey, my friend, but the nationals need to make more versions of your Jersey because as your lovely wife, Erin, pointed out on Twitter the other night, it does look like a Walgreens jersey. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, and then speaking of the Cubs, uh, I watched the Friday Crosstown game, and Ben Zobrist was playing. Now, Ben Zobrist is a utility guy, second baseman by trade. He also plays a little outfield. He is a switch hitter. I cannot stand the way he bats, the thing he does with his face. Look, this isn't like some Cubs hate. I just really can't stand the way he bats. However, I do really love the way he wears his jersey on the Cubs day games on Fridays because what he's doing is throwing, like he does his own version of a throwback jersey, basically. He wears his short pants, but they're very baggy, and then his top is a little baggy. He wears the high socks, and then he wears all black cleats with a fold-over tongue. All of this is exactly what I want to see in baseball all the time. (laughs) This is my ideal outfit. I would wear it all the time if I could. So I was like, oh, man, I just, look, this is great. Cameron and I were watching the game. I was like, I love what he's wearing. I love this. Then later on that night, he gets, he posts something on Instagram, which then goes to Bleacher Report, which then goes to my phone. And I see that he's gotten fined because the cleats are against regulation. Now, in interest of funness, I did not look this up. And I just wanted to talk about it. Because then Cameron and I talked about it at lunch the next day. And we were trying to figure out why all black cleats would be against regulation. I also brought up the fact that the Cleveland pitcher Mike Clevenger got in trouble last season for having a gray glove. Now, here are the reasons, which then he walked to the top steps of the dugout and spray painted it black to finish the game. (laughs) So here's my speculation, and I think that it's correct. I think that you can't have all black and you can't have a gray mitt uh, glove for the same reason, which is that gray matches the color of a uniform. And so they can't, the umps won't be able to tell if you're tagging. They can't make an accurate call. And then same goes for the cleats, that if a second baseman, shortstop, third base, first base has a black glove and they're tagging you on your foot, they can't differentiate your foot from your glove. So, I think that's why. Silly, though. It's silly because you're, they're ruining fashion. Anyway, uh, 
Sorry, Ben, but you can't wear those cleats no more. It's unfortunate. Another unfortunate thing is Robinson Cano, a second baseman of the Seattle Mariners, uh, has been suspended for 80 games for testing positive for banned substance, diuretic furosemide. Uh, And Robinson's statement reads as such. Recently, I learned that I tested positive for a substance called furosemide, which is not a performance-enhancing substance, Cano said in a statement released by the MLB Players Association. For more than 15 years, playing professional baseball has been the greatest honor and privilege of my life. I would never do anything to cheat the rules of the game that I love, and after undergoing dozens of drug tests over more than a decade, I have never tested positive for a performance-enhancing substance for the simple reason that I have never taken one. Under MLB's drug policy, a player is not automatically suspended for use of a diuretic unless MLB can prove he intended to use it as a masking agent. Interesting. So Cano said he was given furosemide by a licensed doctor in his native Dominican Republic and that the substance is used to treat various medical conditions there and in the United States. So a big question is, will this affect his Hall of Fame chances? I want to talk about something way before that, which is that I think a lot of people immediately jump to assume that the person definitely did it and they were in the wrong. I don't. I have also noticed over the past two seasons, not even that many, but just two seasons, the players that I have seen test positive for performance-enhancing drugs are all players of color. Starling Marte, Robinson Cano, and then I also think they they over-tested Eric Thames last season. Because I don't know if you all remember, at the beginning of the season, first base outfielder Eric Thames was just crushing home runs for the Brewers in the first season, in the first uh, month, excuse me. And so he was getting tested over and over and over again, and they couldn't find anything. And I don't mean to be some, you know, tinfoil hat wearing kind of conspiracy theorist, but the thing is, when you're discussing race, it's never a conspiracy. It's usually right out in the open. I can't help but think that, look, I haven't seen Icarus, that documentary about doping and biking, but what I have heard is that, like, everybody's on these drugs. It's just that they don't have the test for them, or they look the other way. And I think that we're getting to a point where the looking the other way is going to come out, because I feel like the guys that are getting pinged for this stuff are getting pinged for it for small infractions. And they aren't the big dudes that are raking. It, it, it tends to be black players or uh, players from the Dominican Republic, you know, Latino players. And it just seems odd to me. I mean, I don't want to start anything. But, like, Bryce Harper is huge. And Mike Trout is huge. Are these guys... These guys are getting tested and they're not, and they're fine. That just seems really, it just, it all seems really fishy to me. The entire thing seems incredibly fishy to me. And so for that reason, I also just feel like the steroids in the Hall of Fame discussion is just unfair. I've like completely changed my mind about this because I was young and 
the sort of media washing of it just fully worked on me. I mean, we don't, when we talk about steroids in the steroid era, who do we think about? We think about Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa. Do we talk about Mark McGuire as much or even Jose Canseco? No, we don't. So why, why is the focus so much on the players of color? I mean, I know the answer and the, the answer is straight up racism. Why we focus there. And it's not people who are going, I'm racist, I'm going to do this. It's just our, our, our bias towards looking at men of color for doing these things. And so I don't even really want to get into the Hall of Fame discussion because I think there has to be a greater Hall of Fame discussion about how steroids fit into the game. Because if you're saying that anyone who is on steroids can't be in the Hall of Fame, then no one in the 90s will be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it just, you know, because I, I, I had this conversation with somebody recently and I was like, how can you say that steroids aren't okay, but then like greenies and all this other stuff that they were taking, like trucker meth and stuff that they were taking in the 70s. Well, that's fine. Well, it's not the same thing, but it was at the time. They didn't have steroids. If they could have taken steroids in the 70s, in the 20s, in the 30s, they would have done it. And everybody listening to this knows that, that that the answer is yes. Because all anybody wants to do is win. Whether that means the game or the title, everybody just wants to win. This also totally, in, in a strange way, um, makes the argument for why I want to watch women play baseball. Because it's none of this. Because it's just the game. It's the same kind of conversation that a lot of people have about the WNBA, which is if you want to watch fundamentals basketball, watch the WNBA. And I, I'm here for it. I mean, to me, honestly, why can't we just have both? Like, we don't have to have, like, only one is good. That's how all of this works. <laughs> That's how, uh, like, patriarchy and capitalism and racism all works because, like, it, it, it hinges on the fact that only one works. And if we all start to believe that like more things are good, then it starts to break those things down. So anyway, this is how my Robinson Cano uh, tests positive for PEDs will take down racism. Um, I hope that it doesn't affect his Hall of Fame status. I don't know how much of a Hall of Famer chance he is, uh, just because I haven't done like the research and I, I just wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that goes, oh, this person is de dead to me, you know? Um, and speaking of that, Stacey May Fowles and I spoke last episode about Ro Robert Osuna's uh, domestic violence charges, which I still haven't really seen anything about and they've continued to put him on leave. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I believe if if a woman was hurt and she has a statement to make when she makes it, I believe women. I will say that. I'm also not going to go too far down a road when I don't have the information. That's not to say he didn't do anything. I'm just saying I'm not going to go into it. Kind of what Stacey May Fowles and I were talking about, which shout out to her. Isn't she wonderful? I'm so glad that she was on the podcast. I can't wait to have her back. Speaking of having somebody back, Justin Turner will be back in the Dodger lineup on Tuesday night. Um, I'm guessing that's the Tuesday that's coming up. <laughs> um, and my bench coach, Brett gave me this note. Will it matter? I am very unsure. 
Because you know what's bonkers about the Dodger lineup? The, the the person that's been hitting probably the best and the most explosively has been Max Muncy, his replacement. So I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I went to my first Dodger game on Thursday and I Walker Bueller pitched and, you know, he started out great, but the Dodgers just cannot get a run across and you cannot have great pitching without run support. And that's just been their problem since August, basically. Um, it doesn't look good. And I'm not being a fair weather fan here. I'm saying it doesn't look good. Um, they don't have they don't have any mojo and they seem pretty depressed. And when you start having the conversation from the GM that like, no, our our Dave Roberts is our manager is the guy to do it. We're not getting rid of him. Like things are bad. Things are very bad if that's what's going on. I will say, look, I don't blame Dave Roberts fully, but I do think he overmanages and he will refuses to play a hot hand when he's got it. Cody Bellinger was maybe the only hot hand he ever played last season, and he was kind of forced to do it anyway. Um, I think that those are the forced errors, unforced errors that he makes. Um, I'm curious to see what Justin Turner coming back will do for the Dodgers because they've already they've lost Corey Seager for the year and that I think is the biggest blow to their morale, to their lineup, to everything. Um because I think even when Corey Seager isn't hitting well, he's still an anchor of the team, you know. So, I'm I don't know. My I, my jury is still out. Uh I'll be happy to see Justin Turner back cuz I like him a lot as a player. Um but I don't know. Um, let's see. Moving on. With free agency looming in the next year or two for a bunch of franchise players, uh, we've got Harper, Machado, Kershaw, etc. What star is most likely to switch teams of their own accord in the in the next one to two years? Who and where do they go? Um, I think... I mean, Manny Machado is definitely going to switch teams, for sure. I th- I think let's just talk about those three because those are probably the top three, right? I think Clayton Kershaw doesn't go anywhere. I think Manny Machado is. I think if he's not traded this season for a postseason run for somebody, which I could see him going to the Cubs for that, um, which would be bonkers. I think. I mean, he it would be bonkers. But I could see that happening. Um, I think he will be the Otani of next year's free agency. It, which means our phones will just be blowing up for Machado watch all offseason long, which I don't look forward to at all. Um, and then moving on to Harper. My wife Cameron and I actually had a conversation about this because we we watched the the Arizona Nationals games like kind of on and off all weekend and I saw that home run that he hit off of Zach Godley and I went holy shit I've never heard a home run like that which again that dude's got to be on something come on I mean it's just nuts um I I I don't know I mean I I could see an argument for Harper coming out to the Dodgers to be on this on a fancy big name team but I also think 
If they have the season that they're having right now, all season, which I think they're going to, I don't see why he would come here. Um, and then, I i mean, I think the, the pull of Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant on the same team, these, like, buddies, is too good for the MLB to turn down. Because if you, if you don't think that the major leagues has anything to do with where players go, then you're out of your mind because they absolutely do. Um, but then again, he could throw, you know, a, a, a huge curveball and go somewhere like the Yankees. I mean, how nuts would that be? I mean, I could totally see Harper pulling a heel turn and going and playing in the American League and playing for the New York Yankees. He could play left field. Could you imagine Harper in left field, Giancarlo in center field, <laughs> Aaron Judge in right? I mean, good Lord. Or he could just DH. Who cares? So those that's my prediction. And speaking of the Yankees, they just went 11-2 and against Houston, Boston, Cleveland, and the Angels. All bench coach Brett has to say is, wow. And yet, if you had to decide today, would they be your World Series pick? I don't think that they would be, to be totally honest. Because what we're talking about here is an 11-2. and two, You're talking about momentum, which I believe in. I'm one of those weirdos that believes momentum is a real thing. Um, and the postseason is just a completely different animal, and you got to get there. You have to get there. You have to get through other teams. So who are they going to end up playing? Not the wild card pick. I think Houston's going to end up with the best record in the AL. So they end up playing who? Cleveland? Cleveland, I think, has a better chance this year. I don't think they're going to mess around with Salazar. I think Terry Francona should make a good choice, and they should pick up an arm in August. Are they going to do it? Probably not. If they pick up an arm, they have a better chance. If they don't, sayonara. Not going to happen. I just don't think the Yankees can get through Houston. Even now. Even with what they have. But I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I also think the Nationals have a great chance this year. But I also think that the NL East is going to be a beast all year. And it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> That's the thing. We get to watch a lot of fun baseball. I think the the NL East is the... NL West of last year. It's the new NL West. Um, and then the NL Central is whatever. It's strange. I'm curious if the Brewers are going to figure it out. I don't know. The Cubs keep like winning four, losing four, winning four, losing four. Uh, and speaking of the Cubs, we're going to talk about Javi Baez, but Wilson Contreras, 10 RBI on in one game. That was in or in two game in a two game span or something. Like, I mean, who gives a shit? That's a lot of RBI. <laughs> anyway, guess who had him in their lineup? Me. Thank God, finally. Um, and Javi Baez, how is this possible? As of this weekend, the Cubs' leadoff hitter hasn't taken a free pass in over a month. The last one came on April 11th, and that was an intentional walk. His last regular walk was April 7th. Yet from April 8th through Saturday's game against the White Sox, he compiled an eye popping 1.003 OPS. Hey, I picked him up and I dropped him because he's streaky because I didn't want him to hurt me and it was a mistake. I should have just held on to him because he was a good grab and I could have sold high, but I didn't. <sighs> what are you going to do? I'm happy for Javi. He's one of the few Cubs that I really do like despite him being on the Cubs. Sorry, Cubs fans. You understand. It's all I can do. 
Um, so that's my roundup. Sean Doolittle, Javi Baez, Bryce Harper, Justin Turner, Robinson Cano. Uh, and then we'll be right back. I'm going to talk about um, some Twitter-suggested topics right after this. Three Swings listeners, there's nobody on the planet like you, so why would you buy a mattress built for everyone else? And if you're like me, you're a sleepwalker, so you definitely need a good mattress that keeps you from getting up at night and walking into your kitchen and just staring around, because that's what I do. And it's creepy and scary for my wife. So working with the world's leading sleep experts, Helix Sleep developed a mattress that's customized to your specific height, weight, and sleep preferences so you can have the best sleep of your life at an unbeatable price. Here's how it works. Go to helixsleep.com, fill out their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll design your custom mattress. They can even customize each side for you and a partner. In 2018, Helix Sleep has taken customized sleep to the next level with the Helix Pillow. The all-new pillows are fully adjustable so you can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type. I gotta say... My Helix pillow has really helped me stay in that dang bed. I'm also a belly sleeper, which is, oh, just terrible. I put my arms underneath my body, but this new Helix pillow that I've got, I don't do that at all anymore. Go to helixsleep.com slash three swings right now, and you'll get up to $125 toward your mattress order. That's helixsleep.com slash three swings for up to $125 off your mattress order. It'll change your life. So go to helixsleep.com slash three swings. All right, we're back. No interview this week. We got to figure that out with my new schedule. So please bear with me while I am the only one speaking into your ears. But that's what's happening. Um, first, Paige Metzi sent this listener suggested topic. The Supreme Court rules 7-2 to two to overturn federal ban on sport wagering. Each state will be able to decide. I haven't read a full article on this. And that leads me to my own listener-suggested topic, which is I would urge everybody who uses Twitter regularly to work on this with me. I'm leading the charge. Let us all read most of the article before we retweet and comment on it. And if it is an article that is shitty, let's all screen cap it and comment on it. Let's stop giving these places clicks because it's driving all of this. It's driving our news cycle. It's now driving our government. So we have to work on it. There was an example very specifically of this where after the Tuesday primaries with Ohio, North Carolina, and West Virginia... Um, Dennis Kucinich was running in a primary for governor of Ohio, and he lost. He is uh, whatever you want to call a progressive candidate. He's been in Ohio politics since the 70s. It's very complicated with Dennis Kucinich. I don't have enough time to get into it. But he has always run on a, quote, progressive platform. Now, when I say, quote, progressive in this context, I mean mostly economical uh he also is pro-choice he's he's he he, he is progressive so i, I do want to say it just leans economics here because i don't want to get in trouble because i don't have a list of everything uh because i'm really just talking about reading articles but 
there was a Slate article that said, despite something like, despite Kucinich's loss, he is the future of the Democratic Party. Now, a lot of people saw that and retweeted it and said something to the effect of, how is it that men can lose, a man loses in a landslide, yet he's still the future of a party, whereas like a woman loses and she has to go live in the woods. Now, I fully agree with that statement because it is something that happens often where like women lose and they're just like buried in the ground and we never talk about them again. And then men can lose and they can still kind of win and they can still rise from the ashes like a phoenix or whatever. But in this particular article, I clicked on it because I was, I I felt that when I read it myself and then I clicked on it and that headline was the very first sentence, which is, despite Kucinich's loss, his platform is the future of the party. And that is a very specifically different statement to make. And I feel like they did that on purpose. And a lot of people retweeted it in anger and their anger is valid. But they were retweeting something and they're getting all these retweets and clicks based on not the same thing. Because the article was essentially talking about how Kucinich has had this progressive platform for 10 years. And now that 10-year-old platform is finally catching up to not even mainstream politics, but just most of the people on the left of the aisle are pro-choice, are pro-LGBT. In fact, LGBT people actually have a voice in left politics now, you know, like all of those things. And so, yes, that that is true. This platform that he ran on 10 years ago is actually now acceptable in our politics. So anyway, I say all this because I think we should all just work on that, which is not retweeting things just in anger and reading actual articles. Now, to get back to the betting, I could not help but have this guttural reaction to it, which is that it straight up is out of the plot to Back to the Future Part 2. I mean, I know that Thomas F. Wilson has been on record saying that was not Donald Trump, but you cannot tell me that Zemeckis and Gale didn't base that version of Biff off of Donald Trump somehow. I mean, there's no... Why else would he be, like, into casinos? That's what Donald Trump was into in 1988. Like, that's what he was doing. I mean, they were using it. So even if he wasn't using that as his performance, it was definitely structurally there. And I mean, that is the storyline of Biff in the tangential 1985, which is that he won all this money on his 21st birthday, betting on a horse race, using the Gray Sports Almanac, and then he just like bought up casinos, and then he like bought the government in California and overturned and made gambling legal everywhere so like that's literally what's happening and i i think there's some ins and outs of like what the actual betting is because i think um uh baseball writer craig calcitero was talking about like how it's more about betting on individual baseball games or something so i don't know um which is like that's a nightmare if you're betting on individual baseball games like yikes uh which I kind of did because I tried that daily fantasy thing and I was like, this is very bad. This is addictive and bad. <laughs> so it's already bad. Um, I don't think it's good. I 
I don't think it's good. It Someone compared it to pot, and I was like, well, the thing is, pot can actually help people. It's an industry that you could make into a real industry, and it w- could take down the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry, and that's why nobody wants it. Um, it also would take away a big reason for incarcerating black men at a insane rate. Um, so anyway, you guys know this is like a highly political baseball podcast, right? You're, you, you know why. Um, anyway, so I think it's bad. Uh, the Supreme Court rules seven to two. I can guess who those two are. Um, I, I don't think it's great. I think gambling is, is just not a great thing. Because, yeah, people do just sort of do it for fun on a weekend, but then the rest of the people in the casino, they live there. And it's just not great. Um, it's also, like, uh, you can be connected to, like, uh, undiagnosed mental illness. And uh, if you take the wrong kind of medication, it can make you susceptible to gambling. It's, like, it's just, it's not... Gambling is gambling. I mean, that's why we use the word, like, don't gamble with your life. Like, yeah, literally don't gamble with your life. Gambling is gambling with your life. So uh, Liz Vogel says Red Sox pitcher Carson Smith suffers potentially major injury after throwing his glove in frustration. Um, He (laughs) threw his glove during a tantrum in the dugout after leaving Monday night's 6-5 loss to Oakland. He entered with the Red Sox trailing 5-4 in the eighth, allowed Chris Davis's leadoff home run, then retired three straight batters. After he was placed on the DL... Smith opened up. I think fatigue played a factor with my shoulder, and my shoulder just couldn't handle it, he said. Think my shoulder's tired in general. Yeah, it's just from pitching. I've thrown a lot lately, and I think my arm was just tired. Smith also said he tossed his glove regularly. Um, And then Alex Cora, the, the manager of the Red Sox, said he was surprised to hear that reliever Carson Smith feels that fatigue could have contributed to his dislocated pitching shoulder. I don't agree with it, Cora said when he met the media Wednesday at Fenway Park before the team series finale against Oakland. On a daily basis, we talk to pitchers and see how they feel. It caught me by surprise. If he felt that way, he should have talked to us. Wow, this is interesting. Um, Interesting because we also had the issue with Ken Giles punching himself in the face after a bad outing as the Astros closer, um, I think we're starting to... These are things that... Look, I love when people get passionate about the game, and I have a temper myself. But it is definitely something you got to work on. And if you have such a bad temper that you throw your glove and you dislocate your own shoulder, you need to go to therapy. Also, these guys are doing this on television, and I can't help but think, that I maybe might have had a different temper if I hadn't watched guys do that growing up. So it is important, I think, to have these conversations. And like, look, man, have you not watched Bull Durham at the end when Nuclear Luch punches a crash and he says, did you hit me with your right or your left? Like, you don't do this. Your arm is, it's worth a lot of money, but it's not all about money. It's about, it's worth a lot to your team. And you got to think about your, it's one loss, man. It's one loss. Make it up the next time, you know? If you dislocate your shoulder and then you never pitch the same, well, now you can't ever make it up, you know? That's the way I look at it. Um, and then some, this isn't on my list, but I, I remember seeing this somewhere, either on my Twitter or in an email with uh, Bench Coach Brett, which is that in 2007, the MLB launched a campaign 
to for breast cancer, which was called Save Second Base. Somebody sent this to me, and I looked it up, and I was like, what the hell could that even mean? And because I am like uh, <laughs> a person who doesn't, I actually don't objectify women. Like Cameron, my wife Cameron has been like, oh my God, I get it. You don't objectify women. Like straight up, I don't. Um, I just don't. And shout out to anybody else that doesn't. And I'm not saying like, oh, I don't. And then secretly do. Like I don't. Like I just don't think of women that way. Like I just don't objectify them. So then I looked it up and I was like, oh my sweet goodness. That I cannot believe. I mean, I can believe that the MLB would start would make a breast cancer i mean my goodness so if you're not picking up what i'm saying because i haven't said anything yet it's that they decided to do a breast cancer fundraiser to save second base because second base is a metaphor for touching a woman's breasts on a date and i just can't even begin to get into the many layers of how just gross that is. Um, it's gross because the whole metaphor of of baseball in terms of where you're getting on a date, it makes the woman a baseball field and the man the player. She's not even part of the conversation. <laughs> She's not even part of the game. She's not even the other team. I think that's like a big part of... of, of I don't know, misogyny, but thinking it when we're talking about things like consent, that people, maybe we could start talking about it this way, like using this metaphor that's been around for ages. Um, and the reason it's been around for ages is because it's oppressive, not because it works. Um, but if we could just talk about like, instead of thinking the woman is the basis, what if the woman is the other team and you guys are trying to have an exhibition game that's fun. It's tryouts or something. I don't know. I don't know. Just talk to your partner. Instead of like running the bases absentmindedly, not even paying attention to anything, how about you pretend she's a person? Anyway. Um, <clears throat> it also... it The way that that presents like breast cancer research is that breasts are a thing for you on a date or in a relationship or to have sex with or whatever you want to say. And the you in that conversation is a man. Like, it's definitely... It's, it, there's no way that the MLB is like, yeah, and we'll get lesbians on board. Like, that's not... You know that's not what they're thinking. Like, what they're thinking is men play baseball, men watch baseball. How would men want to protect ba breasts? Oh, so that they can touch them. Like, that's it. Like, that's, and it's bonkers that they would do that. And so it also uh, uh, posits that there are no female fans or that there, if there are female fans, they'll think this is funny. And like, I just, you know, we just got done with Mother's Day in the MLB. And like, I used to think it was cute that they wore pink. And now I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, can't. How about for Mother's Day, they wear their mom's name on the back of their jersey? How about that? Instead of like this super gendered color. How about that? How about they wear their mom's name on their jersey? I just changed the whole... That's what they should do. That's absolutely what they should do. 
Nobody buys those hats. They're so poorly made and they look like crap. And I'm I'm sorry if you like them. Like if you like them, I, I, I that's fine. You can like them. I don't think anybody's wrong for liking them. But I just don't like this super gendered color swap thing. And like it has to be. Ugh, I just I really don't like it. And like the Dodgers gave away like a makeup bag on Mother's Day. Ugh, gross. I just wish. If you're going to acknowledge female fans, can you acknowledge a spectrum of female fans? Please. There's a lot of us out there. You don't have to make specialized stuff for everybody. But, like, you could just realize that 40% of baseball fans are women. And not all of those women want a makeup bag. And not all of those women want to wear pink. And not all of those women are women, women, women. Like, there's also a lot of stuff in there. So, anyway. This is this is my week. Um, I'm, I hope to get on a new schedule. Thanks for everybody. Thanks to everybody for hanging in there with me. I really appreciate it. It's going to be worth it. We're going to get on a new schedule. Um... I'm doing a little bit better in my daily fantasy, so if anybody wants to send me some tips on that, then I can discuss that next week. Let me know. Um, I'm doing a little bit better there. I had that illegal week. I'm going to be mad about it forever. We'll see. Um, So this was the episode. If you like Three Swings, do me a favor. Let one person know, in person, to their face. I think it helps. We can get more people listening and a more active listenership. It'll be great. And it helps us out um, with everything. Um, And then if you listen to us, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to us. That will be very, very, very helpful um, to us to get us, you know, in and out and more people listening. And I just want to spread the word of baseball. And if you like my politics, then that's helpful, too, because I think we can change things and make things better and have good conversations with each other. So, as always, you understand. And if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.